fixed. I don't think people realize that they are that there's so much self-abandonment involved until they feel so bad about something and they're like, how did I even get here? <laughs> Why is all of this happening to me? <laughs> and they don't recognize that they helped create it by allowing it to happen or, you know, seeking something that was harmful for them, but, but met a need otherwise. And usually it's a need that should have been met for themselves first, but they were seeking it mm-hmm. from somewhere else. Hello, and welcome to the Happy Hearts Project Project Podcast. (laughs) My name is Cassie. I am your host. I am an ex-psychotherapist turned life and relationship coach. After learning to take control of my own love story and home life, and let me tell you what, once you discover the missing pieces, the mindsets, the skills that are necessary to create the life and relationship that you want, at least in my case, I can't stop talking about it. (laughs) It's like the good news I want to share with everybody. And so that's what I do here on the podcast. That's what I do on my Instagram account. You can find me. I have a new handle. It's at Cassie underscore with love. Find me there. Subscribe for my email list on my website, www.cassieseve.com. And once you do that, you'll receive my 16-page workbook, Building Blocks for Connection, for free, a digital copy, um, straight to your inbox, because I love giving information. I love sharing as much as possible to not only inspire, but help transform lives. I am in the business of life transformation. And part of that is that I do offer mentorship and one-on-one coaching through several different coaching packages. And I encourage you to check out my website, www.cassieseve.com to learn more about that. I offer a free 45 minute consultation. So if at any point you're feeling stuck, like you need a new perspective to figure out what's next, how can you get beyond where you currently are to create what you actually desire for yourself? That's what I do. Schedule a free consultation with me and I'll spend 45 minutes with you figuring out your next steps and potentially determining that the two of us are a match made in heaven to work together for me to coach and mentor you. So we're going to go ahead and dig into today's topic. Honestly, this is one of my favorite interviews so far. Marisol is just an amazing energy. She has so much beautiful insight both through her own personal experience, but her growth as a professional. Marisol has been in the business of healing for a long time, and she really does work on all levels, mind, body, and spirit. And I'm going to let her tell herself, tell you about herself, Um, but I want to welcome her to the podcast. I want to welcome you guys to the podcast. I'm glad you all are here, and we'll go ahead and dig in. The question of what is um, a practice, right? That was one of one of the questions, and um, and what I was sharing about the self love piece that I think is really important um, is that 
it really is kind of the foundation for us to even take an initiative and be on a path of wellness or self-growth or, um, you know, doing any kind of um, inner work requires that. And, and even though it might be something that we know, right, it's something that can be really challenging to put into action, especially if we don't have good modeling for it or um, just life, you know, sometimes we go through hardships and that can take a toll on our mental health or our emotional well-being. And um, we might take action from those wounded places versus a place that really feels that they deserve and feel valued um, to actually prioritize ourselves. What do you think that looks like when somebody is acting more from a wounded place than like a place of self-love and acceptance? Mm. That looks like a lot of times um, weak boundaries. So a lot of times I think the immediate approval feels really good. And so um feeling like you, you you belong or you feel accepted um, or acknowledged. Sometimes someone that is working through things um, that, or I should say someone who might not be working on the deeper levels of themselves, but still has like that wound or, or hurt that they're acting from might compromise their own well-being in order to get that immediate fix right and it's so normal and it's just so human um but over time it does bring up a lot of resentment or dissatisfaction or just going in cycles with relationships and um things like that so i don't think people realize that they are that there's so much self-abandonment involved until they feel so bad about something and they're like, how did I even get here? <laughs> Why is all of this happening? To me? <laughs> and they don't recognize that they helped create it by allowing it to happen or, you know, seeking something that was harmful for them, but, but met a need otherwise. And usually it's a need that should have been met for themselves first, but they were seeking it mm-hmm. from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. A hundred percent. I can remember being in those stages in my life where I was like, why is this happening to me? Why am I here? How did this happen? And then once I started to like wake up to <laughs> the ways that my boundaries <laughs> were lacking and the way that I was responding to wounds and to beliefs that weren't serving me, I was like, oh my God, there it is. You know, that's, that's right. that awareness piece. Yeah. And the awareness that's, that's what requires practice, right? I think that whether we're talking about meditation, um, exercise, eating well, like all of these things that um, it almost sounds like a cliche, right? Because they're so simple. But when we abandon ourselves and don't take good care of ourselves right even sleeping well a lot of times you know it's like oh I'll just 
you know, go out, even though you know that that's going to throw off your schedule the next day or whatever. I mean, simple things like that, that can really affect our happiness, our ability to show up in the world, you know, and yeah, and there's, there's all the little self abandonments that that can happen. It doesn't have to look like this big thing, you know, um, it's like the little things too. Oh, for sure. The little things lead to the big things. Like it's like every time you make a decision, it puts you like just, you know, um, a degree off and a degree off and a degree off. And over time, what started off as like a one degree difference becomes a huge gulf, you know, like maybe even like a 180 from where we want to be. It's, it is so much in the small things that create the big things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think something that I've been noticing more too, as I've worked on developing my own awareness is I think the first stage of that is like, I felt a lot of blame. Mm-hmm. This is the person who was harming me fault. This was my boss's fault. This was the system's fault. This was my parents' fault. Like all of the blame I externalized. I feel like do you, do you ever see that where like, that's kind of like the first step of awareness of like, I don't like where I am and it's because of these things. And then the next level of awareness is like, oh, actually that all of that was just reflecting back to me, how I felt about myself all along. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that is, that's part of the journey. I think, you know, I think that that's, a very normal thing and um and like vedic philosophy and ayurveda um when there's a movement into a more um enlightened or aware state you can't really you can but it's very challenging to go from like a stagnant or lethargic and like heavy energy to like this purified energy. You have to take steps to get there. And I think that's very much kind of what you're saying is that at first you start to look around you and you see, wow, these structures or these relationships, you know, these are not in alignment, but then ultimately it's like, okay, but I'm, also responsible because I'm a factor in this equation right and so then we look at how did we contribute to being in those situations or how you know how do we find options to change that yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and I'm just thinking about that like so many of my clients come to me because they want to change their relationship and it's about how do I make my partner do that (laughs) how do I make them do that? How do I make it so that, you know, like changing the people around us to make us feel better. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's, I think that's the part, like, that's part of that too. Like once we recognize it, then, and we're still externalizing, like if only they could, then I would. And it's like, really, it's, it starts with, and then you start to see your relationships fall into place by seeing what they start how people start responding to you that's when you get yeah and I and it's hard right like to be in that position and and say okay what what can I do to change this situation 
And I think that a lot of times it takes so much courage and that's where, you know, like having a coach or having someone to help you in that process can be so helpful because um, it requires so much vulnerability (laughs) and, you know, stepping into discomfort and not knowing how the other person might take it. So, you know, like, for example, like you said, you work a lot with, um, you know, people in relationships. And if you want to shift something in the relationship, and you're like, okay, I'm going to take responsibility and show up differently. You know, there's, there's pieces underneath it that might get triggered, whether it's like, why do I have to do it? I'm always putting the effort in or whatever you know and so then it's like untangling ourselves from all of that (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of work being human and having a happy heart you know I I um I I put something out because on Instagram a while ago because I feel like when people talk about self-love it's like you know all the pictures of like the the beautiful spiritual baths with the rose quartz and just like, you know, going out and being by the beach and like, awesome. That's beautiful. Like I'm all for it. (laughs) But also sometimes self-love means like having difficult conversations and um, having boundaries that, you know, somebody else is not really going to like. And those things are also really big parts of that self-love process. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And like not taking things personally, our brains want to make meaning out of our circumstances. And a lot of times it creates like some of the most painful meanings from thing. And so I really feel like learning to love yourself is learning how to think about yourself like, how do you regard yourself? How do you talk to yourself? All And like, how do you treat yourself in the day to day? Like, this is something that's now like, for my stage, that's coming up for me is like, um, you know, Don Miguel Ruiz and his uh, four levels, or his, the four agreements. Agreements. Yeah. He has like all these different books that are coming to, <laughs> to my mind. But um, I was just reading that for like, I don't know how many times I did. There's just something that was telling me recently, like you need to read this book again. And I think my takeaway this time is like our addiction to suffering. And for me lately, I've recognized my addiction to suffering and like not taking care of my space, like coming downstairs and finding the kitchen, like just a disaster because I didn't clean a single dish throughout the day. That is my addiction to suffering. Like if I had a roommate, I mean, I do live with my partner, but he's gone a lot of the time. And honestly, he does a lot of the same stuff where we just like destroy the kitchen and leave it like that. And I'm like, this is my addiction to suffering. Like if I want to choose to express love to like my future self, like put the dish in the dishwasher, you know, give yourself five minutes in the morning to unload the dishwasher so that you have a space to put your dishes throughout the day, run it at night. <laughs> Those are self-love practices because mm-hmm. I'm not mad at myself mm-hmm. at 7 p.m. when the when the kitchen is just a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's, that's such a great 
point, right? And and I I believe um, I read somewhere in relationships, especially you know, there's like I think five main things that create conflict within a relationship, and like the household <laughs> chores being you know one of them, like the distribution of like the household work, right? So yeah, those the day to day things they they matter and they need tending and. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a balance, right? Because I feel like a lot of times people are spreading themselves thin and then they say, you know, oh, I'll do that later. And later comes around and then they're just overwhelmed and then they're just, you know, don't have the bandwidth to like even deal with that. So then it just keeps piling up. So that's the boundaries with yourself. Like, what are you Mm -hmm. saying yes to? Like, I think we think about like, boundaries with other people and saying no to the things that you don't want to do but then you have to take it like the next level of like how can I actually be honest with myself around my capacity and what's gonna feel good and that I think mm-hmm. that ties into like some of the things you're talking about earlier with like the people pleasing tendencies you know of like am I doing this for them or am I doing this for me can I can I hold space for their discomfort knowing that I'm making the best choice for what's going to be good for me, mm-hmm. you know, all of, all of the things that we yeah. practice in our relationships with others, we have to practice with ourselves. Right. And that's, that's, you know, yeah, it really, that's why I feel like it always ends up circ- circling back to self-love, right? Because we are in the most profound relationship. The person we're going to be in the most profound relationship with is ourselves, so if we are to um, be able to accept and give love, we have to know how to do that to ourselves and for ourselves first, right? So I think that's really so important. I, I'm still like- Easier said than done. Exactly. I can't <laughs> be so sure. I was still just like thinking about the dishes thing. Like you're watching my own transformation right now, which is like- <laughs> I'm like, we do get caught up in like the, he never does the dishes I cook and then he should clean. And like, my brain wants to make all of these rules about who should be doing what. And as I'm sitting here thinking about it, like if I clean the dishes from a place of self-love, because I want a clean kitchen, I want an open workspace. It feels good to me. It makes me want to cook delicious meals. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to eat better. I'm going to feel better if my dishes are done. I do it for me my partner gets like the residual of like, oh my God, the dishes are done. And this feels really good for me too, which then in turn makes him want to, you know, be kinder and happier and do something else for me. And I was thinking about that yesterday. Like he did like a man chore, you know, I think about like, we have a very traditional like gender role (laughs) relationship (laughs) and, you know, he did something that like traditionally men would do. He repaired something that had been broken in our house. And like, I felt so loved by it because it was something that I didn't have to worry about. And it made me want to do something to reciprocate, you know, Mm -hmm. like the fact that he went out of of his way to do this. And so like, it all starts with like how we treat ourselves Mm -hmm. and then the people around us benefit from it. And then they want to reciprocate. It's not because it's a 50, 50 divide. If I spent that much time calculating (laughs) (laughs) the divide of work it's not a good use of my time and it doesn't feel good either you know so anyways 
Um, yeah, in, in relationships, I think it is very much like understanding, like kind of going to, you know, maybe the love languages even, where some people, they are very service oriented. And some people, you know, are not, that isn't their natural default, but maybe they are the ones that will do the planning of your vacation and do all of that. And that's also, you know, great, especially when you find a way to balance it out within the relationship and you can appreciate and love each other for the strengths and try to balance out the other parts. I know that you don't specifically work in relationships. I, I'm sure that your work like umbrellas that because you can't work with a person and not work with their relationships. So they are integral part of them. Um, but what do you think about love languages? Do you put a lot of stake into them? How do you think they are important? How do you think people should utilize them? I think it's a good like, kind of like starting point of like understanding where people's strengths might be um, and be bringing some compassion into the scene <laughs> because um, there's a lot of ways that people can express love, right? There, I, I mean, saying that there's five is really simplifying it, you know, um, like I'm a foodie and and I think that like, if, you know, somebody cooks up a meal for me, I guess that would, could fall into service, acts of service. I don't know, but it's not naturally like something someone thinks about with services, you know, but um, there's just a lot of ways to show love. Um, but when you kind of look at it in general, I think it does create some like general understanding of around how your partners might show up or where your own areas of um, maybe strength or weakness are too. If you're someone who never really thinks about bringing a gift and your partner thinks that those things are so sweet, you know, then maybe you then put a little more effort into that and, you know, get some flowers or, you know, I think a lot of times it, it isn't even about the value or the gift. It's more of the thoughtfulness behind it, right? And it it may it can make the other person feel like, oh, they were going about their day and they thought of me. This is showing it in that way. So I think um I think there's a lot of value that can come from that. Definitely. It's a, like, I love how you're like, it's a place to start because to me, it's like, it's so simplified. Um, but it is a good understanding to have. And then the more that I think about it, I'm like, I feel like every, every love language helps create like a well-rounded relationship. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to think of like, every relationship needs affection. Every relationship needs some partnership and shared like, you know, active service of like taking the lead on certain things. Like, I think if we become so focused on like the one thing of like, you don't buy me gifts, you forget all the other things that are creating this amazing relationship. You know what I mean? It, it, it has to be an open dialogue for sure. And there has to be a sense of awareness and asking for what really feels good for you. 
And like mm-hmm. all of those pieces really matter. In my opinion, I think they, they're all essential. Yeah, I think so too. And, and another thing also that I've noticed for myself, cause I've taken the quiz a few times and it's changed for me. So I was in a relationship where um, my partner at the time had a very challenging time expressing like words of af- affection or affirmation were not part of his way of expressing. And so after that relationship, guess what was at the top of like what mine was words of affirmation, right? Because I was so deprived of it. Right. And then like, now I'm like in this relationship where I get those words of affirmation so much, but now I'm like, Oh, but the acts of service, you know, (laughs) because this relationship is very different, you know? So it's always like working with like finding, you know, the balance. And, and like you said, the reason why it's there is because they all matter. If, if the scales are like just tipping over on like the gifting side and you don't have any quality time together, well, guess what? You're going to be like, I don't care about the gifts. I want to spend time with you. Yeah, I can't imagine right? how that so. would be a relationship. Like, I, how do you know someone <laughs> if you're not spending quality time with them? Like, all I'm thinking when you said that is like, it sounds like someone's love bombing you. Like, if all you're getting are <laughs> relationships, are you all you're getting are gifts and affirmations and acts of service, but there is no quality time because when you're together, it's chaotic and a mess. Like. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that doesn't have the tools that's designed to you be used, but um I think it's so on point that like you're gonna focus on what's lacking, either like mm-hmm. what's lacking for your own expression of self-love or what's lacking from like what you're receiving from that person. And that's something I always, always practice with my clients first is like, what is the actual scope? Like how often is this? happening or not happening, you know, and like, what are you doing for yourself as well? Because we cannot rely on our partners to fulfill. Yes. That's where I feel like if we even look at these love languages and how we use them on ourselves, right? Like what's our communication to ourselves? You know, do we, are we a cheerleader or a drill sergeant? And, you know, what's the voice inside our head? You know, if we're always cracking the whip on ourselves, you know, like, oh, well, maybe, you know, these these tools are, like I said, like really great general. But I think, you know, kind of coming back to, to what you said about the self-love piece, like, yes, you know, like really, this is a great tool to like also look at how you're treating yourself also, um, especially if you're just learning or you're like in the beginning stages of that self-growth because um sometimes we feel like going out and buying ourselves you know a new wardrobe or taking ourselves out to eat at like a beautiful restaurant yes those are self-love but really like you know if you're not balancing it out with some other things too so you know I think that it can even be used for our own relationship building with ourselves and yeah 
Yeah, it can be so easy to use some of like those ease, like the, it's easier for us sometimes to like go buy ourselves a bag from the store, take ourselves out to a nice dinner, you know, and it can be harder to, for us to sit with ourselves and to sit with our feelings. And so, yeah, I think if you're not being mindful and intentional, those can actually be avoidant behavior mm-hmm. <laughs> to what you actually need to feel better to create new outcomes for yourself to, to improve your relationship. And you're, you're love bombing yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So true. I've never thought about that, but yeah, you are like, it's like, I've been so bad to myself lately. I'm taking myself on a vacation, but like the vacation's nice. You're going to feel better for a little bit and then you're going to come home and things are going to be exactly the way that they were, you know, Mm-hmm. it's got to be all of the things so yeah, yeah. tell me more about yeah. kind of your awakening to wanting more wanting to improve your relationship with yourself wanting to create a happy heart um I I started to really get into like holistic wellness and the, the kind of the doorway that I came in through was body work. Um, I was really young. I was 20. I had never received a professional massage before. And something just drew me to this open house. And I went and um, I just really fell in love with the philosophy behind Um, the mission behind the school, which was very mind, body, spirit, and that our bodies hold everything, right? And I didn't know back then that I was such an empath. I didn't know that I held so much tension or that I was constantly like scanning the room and reading the energy around me. And so when I started to receive massage, it really started to almost create that meditative space like it gave me a safe place to receive which was a big thing for me Um, receiving um, help was really challenging I've always been really independent and um, it's a good quality but also it was uh, coming out of a place of not trusting. And so being vulnerable and trusting someone else to hold that space, to touch my body, to be vulnerable enough to allow for that, that was so transformative. And it did allow me to get into a place of reflection of why that was so uncomfortable for me and start to break down some of the walls that I had around letting people help me and allowing myself to be vulnerable and um, to start to get comfortable with my body. I um, had my son when I was 16 years old and um, my body just changed from one day to another so dramatically. And I just remember thinking after I had my son, oh my gosh, like I hate my body. And I, you know, went through a depression of just like, really not liking myself. And so um, just bringing compassion, because as a massage therapist, with my hands on other people's bodies, and 
just thinking, you know, how amazing these intricate and like sophisticated um, bodies that we're in that are like always, like, we don't even think about it. And we're breathing, our blood is flowing, our organs are working. There's just like so much that's going on. And, you know, it didn't matter to me what size my client was, or if they had stretch marks, if they had cellulite, like whatever, like to me, I'm just like, it, it just, it was such a big um, change in the way that I saw my body and the way that I saw other people's bodies too. I think I also had a lot of conditioning around what beauty looked like. Um, you know, we still have that, of course, through media and stuff like that. The projection of beauty is very specific. Um, it's starting to change now, but, you know, 30, you know, 20 years ago, you know, and before that it was, it's very, you know, a certain way. And, and just thinking like, oh my gosh, like beauty is, is in all forms and it's just so much deeper than, you know, our skin or, you know, if somebody is able to see that or not, that's, I think, really where I get very inspired to hold that safe space for them because I know how much it meant for me to be able to have that experience. So that's that's where my self-love journey started. And um, yeah. I think it's really interesting that you had to learn how to receive, like you had to learn how to receive before you could give, number one. And, but it's like, it's kind of like a big cycle of like, I'm going to allow myself the discomfort, the vulnerability of allowing this person to see me, allowing this person to touch me. And then you're like, and now I feel much better about myself. I can accept myself. And now I can give that same thing to somebody else, you know? And that's the other thing that I think we as a human, as, as society that we grapple with is the judgments we have against ourselves are the such judgment, same judgments we place on other people, right? So it's like, when we're looking at other people, how could they make that decision? I can't believe that they would leave the house like that. Look at their body, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like we're really internalizing that and we're thinking that about ourselves. And so it starts with you first, right? Like, yeah that's where the peace comes from is just like mm -hmm. the acceptance of yourself and the people around you. Right. And not to, to be hard on yourself for having those thoughts too. Yeah. Cause I think a lot of times it's like, you know, you think of people that are maybe not kind having those types of um, ideas or judgments, mm -hmm. but underneath the judgment, there's a reason for it. Right. And it could be because, you know, it's, you know, our own sense of worth is needing some work and that's okay. It's just like bringing that compassion piece into it. Right. And just having the awareness that yes, you know, you probably are having those types of thoughts um, and critic and being critical, you know, on yourself, but there's a reason for that. And just bringing compassion into that. You talked about, um, suffering earlier and one of um 
there's a couple of things um, in Buddhism, suffering is like a very big part of life. You know, it's just as natural as like being alive, suffering is a part of it or, or pain, but there's um, a teacher. Um, and I remember I was listening to a podcast at work and like, I literally like had the moment where like I had to stop because she talked about comparison of uh, suffering and pain and how that doesn't get anybody anywhere and how when you are hurt, sometimes there's a part of you that feels like, well, they don't understand. They've never had to lose you know, a parent or they've never had to, you know, lose a job that they've worked for so hard or, you know, whatever that is, but that's a, you know, a pain or suffering comparison too. But um, we can all relate to the pain, right. And to the hurt because everyone in life, if you're alive, you've, you've experienced pain. And so that's where we can come in from and, and have compassion for ourselves and for other people. Cause I think a lot of times we might even feel guilty thinking like, oh my gosh, I have so much privilege compared to other people around the world. How can I, you know, be complaining about this? This is so insignificant, you know, whatever. And that can just create a whole mess of thoughts, but it's real to you. It's real in the moment. And so bringing that compassion piece is really important. So comparing suffering. And the other thing um, was that I think it was Tara Brock. Um, she wrote a book called Radical Acceptance. It's a really great book. Um, she says, um, pain, uh, pain, is in pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. So I thought that was interesting too because I felt like oh okay there's a difference here you know it might be really subtle but suffering kind of has like an aftertaste you know it's like oh even after the initial like pinch or whatever it's like this lingering thing that's like walking next to you right and so you don't have to keep walking alongside the suffering it's like okay that's enough like we can go our different we can go our own ways you know understanding the lesson or what that pain is and working with it but you don't have to walk hand in hand with suffering throughout your entire life so I thought those two um, things around suffering were really important to also contemplate yeah, that is so interesting because it's true. Like that's just part of the human experience is we're going to experience emotional pain, you know, and wanting to avoid it, wanting to control it, wanting to put it in a little box or whatever, or pull it out because it feels sometimes we get like so justified in our pain of like, you don't understand. This is what I've been through. This is what happens to me. Yada, yada, yada. Like, I think like what you're talking about, like that is the suffering. The suffering is what we make the pain mean and what we decide to do with it. 
Mm-hmm. We can't control always the things that happen to us, but, but what do we want to do about it? Right. Right. And that's, that's the practice too, you know, kind of coming back to like, what is a practice? That's the practice. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Yeah. The practice. I know I, I hear lots of people talk about practice is like a hygiene it's mm-hmm. washing your hair it's brushing your teeth like you don't just do it once and you're like I'm good to go <laughs> it's something that you have to do on a regular basis and you'll start to notice when you have it like things will start to get a little yucky you know like why don't I feel so good I haven't been mm-hmm. practicing my self-care I haven't been managing my mind I haven't been taking care of my body and I can feel it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very, um, like, just like any other practice in a sport, for example, you know, you kind of drop the ball and you're not on top of your, you know, practices. And then when you go back to running or whatever it is, then you're like, oh, man, like I can really feel it. same same for the self-care yeah I think you're talking about how like it's it's hard what were you saying earlier uh you said you made a comment about like basically like the work the work is is hard but I was thinking like but it's also like it makes things so much easier it's it's like like the unloading the dishwasher in the morning so that you have a clean kitchen all day long. Like it's like the work you put in ahead of time to prepare you for an easier ride. It's the planning, it's the preparation, it's the Mm -hmm. resting that takes intentionality. And sometimes it takes hard work up front, but then you get to enjoy more. It makes you more available for the good things. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's something that is, I I don't know, I feel like coming into a more aware state in our lives is asks us to not just bypass the discomfort, you know, and to really know that from this aware place we're taking care of like you said your future self right like your 7 p.m self is going to be really grateful that you did that in the morning but also it takes care of our inner child too and um you know it makes that part of ourselves that perhaps didn't have the stability or the structure feel more at and so yes it's like our present moment self is actually being present for ourselves but also for our inner child our past self and our future self so we've got a lot going on in this timeline you know (laughs) yeah and I think that that's part of the pain and suffering too like I talk to my clients a lot when when they're feeling a lot of anxiety they're having big feelings they're feeling hurt And they want to turn to those external forces to make themselves feel better. And I'm like, nope, this is for you to soothe. How could you sit with this wounded 
inner child, because honestly, like that's where a lot of the pain comes from. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not because, you know, what someone said was hurtful or because of a missed opportunity or because of a bad day that we have this pain. It's because our wounded inner child is at the driver's seat right now. (laughs) And we're feeling all kinds of things and we need to just sit with them. Yeah. Soothe them. And then let them know that you're here with them. You're not going anywhere. They're safe. And and, and you're going to make sure that all of their needs are met and you're going to ask for what you need from the people you need it from. And you're going to respond in a more thoughtful way instead of reacting with a lot of emotion. How much of that is related to like the young and coaching that you do? It's a big part of it, actually. Um, I, br- I, I blend in a lot of the young and coaching. The reason why I was specifically attracted to that model is because I have a background in shamanism and Eastern practices. And um, Carl Jung like really embraced this uh, model of the collective and uh, dream work and the subconscious. And so it felt it's very fitting into the work that I already do. And so um, a big part of the process that I take my clients through is doing shadow work. And so we're looking at those things in the subconscious mind. We're looking at the ego defenses. We're looking at also how to integrate, do emotional integration and kind of come back to a place of wholeness after doing that work, right? So the individuation process um, is about coming into a more complete self where where you're not being um, the <laughs> the word that's coming up is manipulated, but you know, our defenses, our protective mechanisms can really be so convincing, right? Like you don't want to do that because the last time you did that, da, 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 da happened, right? But bringing an awareness to, okay, well, that's the script. That's the story that was created. What's underneath that? And so then really going into the shadow, opening up that door and looking at what created those defenses, Um, because a lot of times it's the parts are our child aspects you know a lot of times it is a part of us when we're really young and we didn't have the tools to cope with things properly that we just learned to protect ourselves and then over time that's just set a pattern in motion and so we're learning to create healthier behaviors for ourselves exactly Yeah, you're reminding me of something I was listening to a podcast about like manifesting and and creating what you want for yourself. And it's like, you don't realize that subconsciously you have these beliefs that actually make this thing that you desire, like really feel very dangerous. No, because of something that happened to you in your childhood or a previous experience that was really stressful that 
your brain's like, nope, guess what? We're not going to do that again. <laughs> we don't, you know, this, this thing is, is really dangerous. It's really scary, but it's subconscious. And so it shows up in like the buffering or like the avoiding, you know, um, the people pleasing, just the things that keep us from taking the action. Cause a lot of times we know what to do. We know what action we need to take to create the dynamic that we want, but for some reason we're not showing up that way. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why it's so powerful. Like we have all of these self-help junkies that will listen Mm -hmm. to a million podcast episodes. They will read all of the books. They have all the workbooks. And yet they're like, I know what I should do. I'm not sure why I'm not getting there. And it's like, you really do need that reflection of someone sitting across from you and saying, okay, this is what I'm seeing. This is what's coming up for me. Let's, I want to try something. Can we go here for a second? Whether Mm -hmm. that's with a therapist or a coach, um, we need something more than ourselves sometimes to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where the, like asking for help piece is really important too. trusting someone else, you know, which create, you know, can be a very vulnerable thing as well. It's like, I'm going to open to somebody that I don't really know. And I'm going to let them into my inner space. And like, that could be scary for some people, but you know, in us taking those vulnerable steps and us showing up for ourselves and prioritizing ourselves that way. That's how we get better. I mean, we could read all of the books and listen to all the podcasts, but sometimes the more vulnerable act is to ask for help and to show up that way. And that is what kind of creates that spark that ignites the the transformation for things to change, I think. It requires a lot of vulnerability and a lot of tolerance for discomfort (laughs) (laughs) because I can't tell you how many times people are like, I want this. And I'm like, great, this is how I can help. This is what we do. And then the resistance kicks in and they, they have a hard time recognizing that the resistance is part of the problem. Like this is just more of your brain wanting to keep things the same, wanting to keep you safe because this next step is going to change you. This next step Mm -hmm. is going to require another level of vulnerability and awareness and, and then action. (laughs) So I always think it's really interesting and I don't take it personally when people are like on like the fence about whether or not they want to work with me as a coach. Cause I realize like, oh, they're just still working through that next level of resistance. You know what I mean? Like it has very little to do with me and what I offer and very much to do with their own resistance of just staying the same and not, not rocking the boat, because even though it's not creating what you want, it's still working. What you're doing right now is working in some way. It's serving you to some capacity. Mm-hmm. And so right. that it's going to feel better until it doesn't, you know? Yeah, that's, that's the thing that 
I think, um, I forget who I was talking to. It could be a conversation I was having with a friend recently. And it's like, you know, sooner or later, we either, we have a choice. We either take the initiative and start to make those changes ourselves, mm -hmm. or we continue playing out the same stories and eventually the universe is going to knock us on our butt and be like, okay, are you ready yet? You know, and my my goal is that, you know, we can help people before they're like laid out on the floor on their butts, you know. Universe <laughs> um, done that to you before. Oh, um, yes. I want to say that I'm a pretty fast learner, but I do know that it's taken um, a lot of work to move through some codependent behaviors. Um, and, um, you know, because things get layered, you know, and as someone who has experienced trauma, which I think most people alive, alive today have some form of trauma, right? Um, it was really difficult to kind of untangle the people pleaser part of myself and the codependency. And that was something that I had to work through a few relationships, you know, and um, very upsetting because it's like peeling the onion. I'm like, I thought I had that one figured out, you know, and then it's like, oh, I guess there was more to learn there. Like relearning the thing. <laughs> I'm always relearning it in different ways. Um, but yeah, I totally relate to what you're saying. Like eventually you're just gonna butt up against like there's there's no you can't go down any further and you have to ask for a hand up. Like mm -hmm. and that's happened to me where when I wanted to leave my my first marriage that was very, very, very bad. Um, it took literally like a neighbor telling my secrets to my then husband and me realizing like mm -hmm. I didn't, I couldn't wait anymore. I had to leave because I wasn't safe, you know? And I remember really resenting her, like how dare she at the time. And now I'm so grateful to her because I wouldn't have taken the action for a long time had she not, or like even just starting my coaching business. Like it was, I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it. And then my partner got a job across the country and I wanted to go with him. And so I needed to quit my job anyways. <laughs> and it was time to start my business. Like I, I'm the person who sits on the fence and waits and waits and waits until it's go time. You know what I mean? And I do think I'm getting better at that. Um, but then, yeah, relearning my codependent behaviors throughout all of that, like the codependent version of me that I had in my previous marriage, I brought into the relationship I'm in now. And I, once I worked through that, I brought that codependency into my business. <laughs> and it, it bleeds through, it bleeds through all the parts of our lives for sure. <laughs> Yeah. And one of the things too, you know, as you're talking, I think that, yes, there's always, as long as we're alive, we're going to continue to learn and grow and have different challenges. But I feel like the, the part also that is really important is as we're unpeeling the onion 
also it's not just um like our emotions and this is where my the integrative um approach comes in for me is that we are these like versatile and multi-dimensional like beings you know we have you know, our work lives, our families, our relationships, and also our emotions, our mental processes, like our energy, all of this is going on at the same time. And so if we are experiencing a triggering event, and we've been under a lot of stress, the way that we show up for that situation is going to be different versus if we were in a um, calm and neutral nervous system response. Um, there's more of a chance that if we are already activated because we're not sleeping well or not taking good care of ourselves, that we're going to be more reactive and maybe act out of old patterns and defenses versus if we are taking care of ourselves, we might have the, the clarity to hold space for ourselves and the situation in a different way. And to even be able to say like, oh, I see what's happening here, right? <laughs> and take a step back and, and say like, okay, this is another layer of the onion for me. How can I handle this differently versus like, ah, shit, again, like, I am so tired of this, and then getting into, like, an old behavior or pattern, and just, you know, throw a match to the, the thing and let it catch fire. Well, that's <laughs> so true, because your brain is really efficient, and that's what we call autopilot, right, is it's just, like, mm -hmm. it's constantly making judgments, it's constantly making decisions that likely you're not even aware of, and so when you're tired, when you're preoccupied with something else, when you're not fully functioning, your brain's just going to go the most efficient route, which is going to be the most ingrained like neural pathways, <laughs> you know? So the things that worked for you when your brain was developing, when you were a child or when you're going through a lot of trauma, those are going to be the most ingrained neural pathways that you will revert to very quickly when you're not taking care of yourself. So another thing I'm hearing from you right now is like, if someone's feeling like they're in a rut and things aren't going the way they want, like step one is like, start taking care of yourself, like create space, get good sleep, move your body, eat nutritional foods, and just kind of like raise the bar on like how you're feeling, focus on feeling better. And you're going to create more clarity for yourself on like what's you're going to create more clarity and also you actually create new grooves right new pathways also it's like you know if we're on a highway and our default is just to take that one lane but now we have these other options that we're you know constantly feeding through movement or you know having our you know, meetings with our therapist and you know having healthy relationships then we have these other options on the highway you know and so I think that's that's really important too just noticing like we can create new neural pathways we can create new exits on the highway we can you know I, when you were talking I was thinking like 
I've done that before where I'm not paying attention and I start driving the wrong way down the road. Like I start driving to my old place of employment or I drive to the wrong grocery store because I'm tired or I'm thinking about an argument I had or whatever. Like that's exactly what's happening in our minds when we're just not being present and intentional and creating learning new opportunities, like redirecting that, um, it is so much within our control. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's really like, you know, kind of bringing it back to that self-love, right. Is that, that presence of how are we taking care of ourselves and, and taking action in a kind way. And not just, you know, being in in the story of what, you know, could possibly be and feeding the anxiety monster and <laughs> ending up at the wrong grocery store and then just being more agitated. It just keeps snowballing, right? So just like, okay, I'm going to go buy myself some veggies. I'm going to make myself some good dinner. I'm going to, you know, and just take that that time for yourself and I think that it's important to have the the intention when you're reflecting on on things it's um I always say you know there's so much that's pulling at our attention now you know if you're someone who is on social media or even if you're not I think that there's just a lot of information overload and so being intentional about how we are navigating our mind space is really important. Yeah. Definitely. Choosing things that feel good, choosing things that create the beliefs about you and the world around you that help you take the action that you want to take, you know, when I get like really sucked into all the negative stuff, I just don't want to do anything about it. It makes me feel so powerless, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. So then it's like coming back to, you know, what you're putting out here, right? The happy hearts project, like <laughs> how do we create that happy space for ourselves you know and maybe in those moments the action isn't to roll up your sleeves and fix it maybe at that moment the right action is to take a pause and to give yourself a moment to feel what's coming up for you and then letting that emotion move and, and do its thing which is normal you know, feel it to heal it, right? And then maybe there's a little more space to find a solution or a better way to deal with whatever it is that is up for us at the moment. That's something that coaching for me has really taught me is how to feel my emotions. Because I think what we normally do is we just think about them. We think that thinking about our emotions is feeling them, but it's really not. All we're doing is like looping and whatever we're creating meaning out of. 
And I'm always like helping my clients like figure out what are those thoughts and let's put them on paper. Let's like acknowledge them so that they can get out of our head and we can identify them as thoughts. And then we're going to tap into our body. Like, what does it, what does sadness actually feel like? What does anxiety Mm -hmm. actually feel like? What, what is the sensation? Because emotions are sensations in our body. They're not our thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the, one of my favorite things about providing a a safe space for body work or any of the like services that I offer is like giving that, that safety bubble for people to experience that because sometimes it can feel really overwhelming. And I think that's why our mind ends up, you know, taking charge and trying to make things logical or, or make sense of how we're feeling instead of what are the sensations? What does it bring up for me? And, um, you know, one of, uh, it's it's a pretty well-known book but it's a really great book it's called the body keeps the score and it talks about you know everything that our body holds right whether it's trauma or all of our experiences so if you look at it that way it's like our body is an incredible resource to help us understand what is needed right where our brain, our mind is really great at um, finding um, like problem solutions and things like that, but in really just helping regulate and understand that sensation of like, oh gosh, it really makes my stomach hurt. You know, I feel like my heart beating in my throat and you know, this is what anxiety feels like. Oh, okay. Now you have a physical understanding of how your body is actually translating that emotion, that feeling for you. And it's really important to understand those things, like you said, because a lot of times we're just thinking about, you know, oh, I'm feeling this a certain way. But when you have that connection with your body, you can work with it too. It's like understanding that if you're getting the signals from your nervous system that you're freezing up and you can't push through something, then maybe there's a different tool that you're going to apply in that moment versus if it's all green lights and you're feeling really relaxed in your body, right? And so understanding the emotional response that your body has is another way that we can bring awareness practice into our lives, you know, and creating a relationship and understanding everybody's um, going to communicate. Everyone's body is going to communicate differently to them, depending on their own personal experiences and what's you know up for them. And so you get to really learn this beautiful, unique language that your body has for communicating to you. And it's just so helpful so that you can really apply the right tools at the right moment for yourself. 
Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think that's what you're talking about, like with the relationship to yourself, because otherwise when you're narrating it, it's all about what's happening around you, what's happening to you. It's all very externalized versus tapping into what's happening and what's happening inside of me. Yeah, so beautiful. So Mm -hmm. I would love to hear from you while we wrap up, like how can people find you? How can they work with you? All of that good stuff. All right. So I, um, my website has all the information. It's soulintegrative.com and soulintegrative. I'm on Instagram mostly, but you can also, um, I'm just starting um, to put some content out on YouTube as well. So if you're curious about different practices and kind of putting out a series of what is, um, because I, I know that it's becoming um, more uh, welcome and more like more people are opening up to different ways of healing so what is Ayurveda or what is spirituality so just kind of talking a little bit more about those things as well as putting out some free classes and breath work um, practices to just help people in their own healing and um, yeah so soul integrative on the social stuff (laughs) and that's my website as well so yeah Yeah, and I do see um clients in person here in the Vancouver area. And um, I also see coaching and distance healing clients online. So there's that option too. Awesome. Yeah. I'll have all of those resources linked for us, uh, for the audience in the episode description. And what do you think Marisol is a like key takeaway from today? I think that the key takeaway, I mean, I really, it, there's always like an extra little like light that gets shed on um, the self-love practices when I talk to people. And um, I think that that connection between suffering and kindness is one of the takeaways for me out of, out of this conversation, because um we, we can choose differently, you know, we can choose to be kind to ourselves and not um, like set ourselves up for a more joyful experience and happier experience by honoring what creates the opposite right so the suffering like you were saying or just the the stress what creates the stress in our lives okay now that we know that taking the actions not to right and really I think that that's a beautiful takeaway for the listeners and actually for myself as well okay that's all we have for you today I hope you loved it please leave a five-star review. Make sure you're subscribed. Share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.